Now we're going to move on to our study times. Anybody have any questions about handing out tracts or anything like that? Really, it's pretty easy to do. Once you get started doing it, it gets uh, even easier to do that. We're going to be in Deuteronomy tonight. And I spoke to you the last Sunday evening that we were together about the Deuteronomic covenant is what I'm calling it. And uh, it's really uh, the old covenant 2.0, as I referred to it as well. And I had intended after that to go on to the Davidic covenant, but I just felt like there was too much left over that we did not address concerning the Deuteronomic covenant that I just had to go back and look at. Plus, that was a time when I was really struggling with my blood pressure, and I don't feel feel like I gave it my best. So um, just um, too much there left over that I'd like to look at and ask you to join that, join me in that tonight. Uh, so we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy primarily, and you can, you can find that, as I said earlier. And I'll go ahead and ask the Lord's blessing over His Word before we get into it tonight. So let's pray together. Father, you've exalted your word, you've magnified your word, rather, above all your name. As we come to your word tonight, Lord, please bless us as we look into it and give us understanding. And Lord, I pray that we would understand, especially how your word points us to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for everyone who's here and all those who are joining us online, and all who will hear your word from this message tonight. Bless it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first thing you see here that I just wanted to point out to you, remembering Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Deuteronomy. Now, I'm not going to look at all of these and show you this one, this one, this one, this one, where it says that, but you'll see how many references that there are to uh, these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And the reason it's emphasized so much is what God's doing is he's remembering what he swore to them. And because he's remembering what he swore to them, he's acting the way he is acting currently or with the people there as the book of Deuteronomy is written. Now, listen, it's important to remember that Deuteronomy is uh, written to the second generation right before they go into the promised land. And it basically consists of three sermons, three messages that Moses delivered to them before they went over into the promised land. If y'all could back in the sound booth, turn me up just a little bit, just a little bit. My voice is a little weak this evening too. Thank you. Point number one, the contents of the covenant. We're not going to spend any time looking into this. I just wanted to point out to you again, uh, the contents of the covenant in chapters 5 through 26 where that's basically the meat of the covenant that God is making with the people of Israel. All right, we're done with that one. Let's go to the second one. The ceremony of the covenant. I told you last time in the book of Deuteronomy that there's not an official ceremony like God says, I'm going to do this, and then the people say, I'm going to do this. So, But there is something of a ceremony. If you'll turn to chapter 26, I'll uh, read these passages as quickly as I can to give you an idea. Again, it's the people not saying I do, but it's people being the told that you are my people and you must do. 
So let's uh, pick up here. Deuteronomy 26, verse 16. Deuteronomy 26, verse 16. This day the Lord your God commanded you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Today you have proclaimed that the, the Lord to be your God. And that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes, His commandments, and His judgments and that you will obey his voice. Also today, the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you, that you should keep all his commandments, and that he will set you high above all the nations, all nations which he has made, in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. All right, now... Uh, when you hear this about God making them a special people and that they will be a holy people, is there a passage in the book of Exodus that pops into your mind? What the, You kind of remember that as we were walking through that before where he talks about them being a holy people, a treasure to himself. Anybody, anybody remember at all on that? If not, I'll throw a reference out there for you. It's Exodus 19, verse 5, key passage in the book of Exodus, okay? Exodus 19, verse 5, where God sort of originally told them that in the book of Exodus. Now, if you'll turn to chapter 27, verses 9 and 10. This next chapter. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore, you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. All right. So kind of second part of the ceremony there. And then chapter 29, chapter 29, verses uh, 10 through 19. All right, so looking at this, starting there at verse 10. Um, it says, All of you who stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who's in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into covenant. Notice that, entering into covenant. Enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, and that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you, and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here today with us. For you know that we dwelt in the land of Egypt and that we came through the nations which you passed by. And you saw their abominations and their idols, in verse 17, their idols which were among you, wood and stone and silver and gold. Verse 18, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose hearts turn away today from the Lord your God, our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. Verse 19, last verse we'll read here. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace 
even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. All right, so I give you these as sort of parts of this ceremony that is making it official, if you will, that these people, remember, the children who grew up and are going to be going into the promised land, that they are indeed the people of the Lord and that they are to obey the commandments of the Lord, the ceremony. Now, what you see under this is it's written in stone. I'm going to summarize this in chapters 20, in chapter 27, 1 through 10. What they were to do once they went over into the promised land is take stones, large stones, and whitewash them, put them on Mount Ebal, and then they were to write in them all the words of uh, God's commandments. And they were to be there on the other side of the Jordan after they've crossed over. So this commandment of the Lord was to be written in stone as a uh, reminder to them. Uh, Next, we see that it's to be publicly proclaimed. In chapter 27, we see this in verses 11 through 26. They are to go over, they're to put these stones there, whitewash them, write the commandments in them, but there's something else that is to happen. They are to be publicly proclaimed. If you look at verse 11, I'll read just a portion of this. Chapter 27, verse 11. And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim. Uh, to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. So the way I understand this, these tribes or representatives of these tribes, I think it was all the people in those tribes, were to stand on Mount Gerizim. Now in verse 13, And these shall stand stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali. Naphtali. All right, so they were to stand on Mount Ebal. And then verse 14, And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel. So I think this, I'm not exactly sure how this shook out, um, but it seems like it was, it was an antiphonal thing going back and forth, or the Levites said it and then the people said it um, back to them. But you see, the Levites shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel. And then the next verses, I think every one of them starts with what word? Cursed. All right, so these curses were to be proclaimed. And then if you look at the end of each verse, what do you see the people were to respond with? Amen. Amen. Does anybody know what the word amen means? I'm not sure what everybody just said. <laughs> so be it. Yeah, I agree. So be it. All right. So a prayer is prayed and we say, amen. What we're saying is, so be it. May the Lord do what was prayed. In this situation, the word of God is proclaimed. Curses are proclaimed. It's really a warning. And the people are to say, amen. So be it if this happens. All right. So that goes all the way through to the end of this chapter. It is publicly proclaimed. Now, uh, I give you here in Joshua 8, 30 through 35, that it is historically recorded. What that means is when the people of Israel went over into the promised land, they actually did this. And, and it's recorded in Joshua chapter 8, verses 30 through 35. And we find there even at the end of that that the women, the little children, everybody was there. And apparently taking a part in this ceremony where they are actually binding themselves 
So maybe that's the I do. I don't know. Maybe this is the I do of the ceremony to where they are binding themselves to what God has said in his word and they say amen to it. All right. So it, we're not going to look at it, but it's there for your knowledge. Joshua 8, 30 through 35. All right. Everybody got that? All right. Let's move on. With point number three. Let's see the consequences of the covenant. We'll spend a good bit of our time here. The consequences of the covenant. Now, let's see this in detail, all right? So first of all, we see it in detail. We're going to go to chapter 28 and uh, look at this a little bit. We see it in detail. First of all, we see the blessings, all right? In chapters uh, 20, in chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, you see the blessings. As a matter of fact, as you look in your Bible, does anybody have a heading over verse 1 that says anything? Of course, if you have a heading, it does say something. But uh, what is uh, what is anybody? What does your heading say? Blessings on obedience. So that's what this is all about. The first 14 verses are all about blessings on obedience. Now, let's just get a get an idea here in verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Now, I'm going to read just like the first few words of some of these verses, perhaps all 14 of them. I think it'll go pretty quick. Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Verse 4, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies uh, who rise... Uh, against you to be defeated. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and on your storehouses. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Verse 10, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. Verse 11, and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, and give rain. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Verse 14, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So you see the blessings and it really covers all aspects of life that God is promising upon them. So the blessings in detail are listed out here and Israel experienced this quite often. Well, not quite, not nearly as often as they could have, but Judah experienced this a little more than Israel did. All right, so you got the blessings, but the next thing is you have the curses, the curses. You see this above verse 15, where again, there's another heading where my Bible says curses on disobedience. It's the retribution principle. If you do wrong, if you disobey, God will return to you a cursing. You're going to disobey God, you will receive cursings from God. And it applies even today. We saw that in First, Second Thessalonians chapter 1. If you do not know God, if you do not obey the gospel of God, then there will be retribution upon you on that day when Jesus comes back in flaming fire with His mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing vengeance upon those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the retribution principle that is here but we see it in the New Testament also pertaining to the gospel. Again, on this, uh, 
Let's real quick look through this. Verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. I'm going to summarize them. Hang on. Verse 16, cursed shall you be in the city. 17, cursed shall be your basket. 18, cursed shall be the fruit of your body. 19, cursed shall be shall you be when you come in. Verse 20, the Lord will send on you cursing and confusion. 21, the Lord will make the plague cling to you. 22, the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation. i got to read all of this one. With inflammation, with severe burning, a fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. Would you have ever thought that mildew was a curse from God? But with mildew, they shall pursue you until you perish. What will all of those things that he just said in verse 22? Verse 23, and your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. We kind of know what that's like now. Walk across your yard and dust goes up everywhere. The, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. 26, your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air. 27, the Lord will strike you with boils of Egypt. Verse 28, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. 29, you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. 30, you shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. 31, your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes. 32, your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. 33, a nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land. 34, so you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs. 36, the Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. 37, you shall become an astonishment, a proverb and a byword. 38, you shall carry much seed out of the field, but gather little in. You shall plant vineyards and tend them. Verse 40, you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory. But you shall not anoint yourselves with oil. 41. You shall beget sons and daughters, but you shall not, but they shall not be yours. 42. Locusts shall consume all your trees. 43. The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you. 44. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded you. 46. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder. 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. 48, therefore you shall serve your enemies. 49, the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. 50, a nation of fierce countenance. 51, and they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land. 52, they shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust Come down throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you at all your gates through all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. 53. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord God has given you in the siege 
and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. 54. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you at all your gates. 56. The tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter her placenta, which comes from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. Then... 59, the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sickness. Moreover, He will bring you back. He will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt. 61, also every sickness and every plague which is written in this book of the law will the Lord your God Bring upon you until you are destroyed. 62. You shall be left few in number. 63. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you. So the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. 64, then the Lord will scatter you among all the people. 65, and among those nations you shall find no rest. 66, your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. 67, in the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And in evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning. 68, and the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships. By the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But no one will buy you. That's a summary of the curses. Some of y'all may be saying, why in the world did you slow down around the part where they're eating each other? I'll tell you why. That's about as bad as it gets. And God said, this is what's going to happen if you don't obey my voice. So these are the curses. So the question is, does this stuff happen? So let's look at it in history. 
And in history, I've given you here a few passages of Scripture on your handout. I think that's all of them. All right, so let's take a look at this. There's a, there, I'm, I'm going to skip over those first ones and go to probably, I guess, to that last line. <clears throat> All right? You can look at the other ones if you want to, but for the sake of time, we've got to skip over them. But actually, I'm going to add one to it. If you turn to Second Kings, I just thought of this one tonight. I remembered. You know, we usually associate these things with... When Judah and when Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon, um, and we forget that it happens in other places as well. I'm just going to give you a quick one here. Second Kings chapter six. This is in the northern kingdom Israel. Y'all remember that after Solomon, the Israel divided into two nations. There was Israel, the southern, the northern kingdom. There was Judah, the southern kingdom. This is Israel, the northern kingdom. I think the king here is Joram son of Ahab, but you'll notice there's this siege. Over the top of verse 24, it says, Syria besieges Samaria, Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, in famine. All right, so here's what happens. Just real quick, uh, looking at verse uh, 26. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. It's terrible, but this is in the Bible, so there's no point in avoiding it. Verse 29, So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her the next day, Give your son that we may eat him. But she hid her son. King didn't know what to do with that. He tore his clothes. He got his body in sackcloth. Look at these references, if you would, please. Jeremiah chapter 19. We're going to start at the end and work our way back to the beginning of that. If you'll turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 19. Now listen. While we're in Jeremiah, go ahead and lay sight on chapter 11. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, the verses that are up there, but I want to just point this out to you. If you'll put one finger in chapter 11 and have the other one in chapter 19, we'll go to that in just a second. But in Jeremiah chapter 11, y'all got it? Would you say amen? Uh, About a third of us do, I think. Jeremiah chapter 11, I want everybody to get there. Jeremiah 11 verse 2. Notice the word, hear the words of this covenant. All right, now look down at verse 3, about halfway through the, the quotation mark. Cursed is the man who does not obey the words of this covenant. And then several times here, the word covenant is found. And what, what Jeremiah is bringing up is the old covenant that God established with the people. And he's saying to them, you're cursed because you have not obeyed the covenant. So it should be no surprise that God is bringing upon them a siege from the Babylonians. Remember, Jeremiah prophesied for 50 years in and around Jerusalem. And he was there when Babylon besieged Jerusalem. 
So he saw these things happen firsthand and he was warning the people what's going to happen. Now, if you look to chapter 19, verse 9. All right, God speaking through Jeremiah. Just going to read this one verse. I think just this one verse. And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters. And everyone shall eat the flesh of his friend in the siege. And in the desperation with which their enemies and those who seek their lives shall drive them to despair. You see, In Jeremiah's time, I don't remember the difference in time periods, a few hundred years later, God's bringing about exactly what he said was going to happen in Deuteronomy 28. All right? So if you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 5. Ezekiel 5 verse 10. Now, catch this. This is important to remember. Jeremiah prophesied for 50 years in Jerusalem. But there's somebody else who's prophesying at the same time as Jeremiah was prophesying, not for 50 years, but in part around that time where Jerusalem was destroyed, there was somebody else who was prophesying somewhere else. Ezekiel was prophesying. Does anybody know where he was when he was prophesying? Anybody remember? He was in captivity where? Babylon. There were three times where the Babylonians took people away. 605, 597, and 586. Ezekiel went to Babylon in 597. So he goes there and he's beginning to prophesy. And the book of Ezekiel can be outlined around the siege of Jerusalem that happened around 586. I think for two and a half years. And it was ended ultimately in 586. So his book can be outlined before the siege, during the siege, after the siege. All right. So in chapter five, verse 10, here's what said Ezekiel. It says, therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst and sons shall eat their fathers. And I will execute judgments among you and all of you who remain will scatter to all the winds. And by this point, some of y'all are saying, Brother Eric, I wish we would just went on to the Davidic covenant. Uh, but but this, this stuff is in here. Verse 11, Surely because you have defiled my sanctuary. Now, if you'll turn to Lamentations. Lamentations is right between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Lamentations is a lament over the destruction of Jerusalem. 586, the Babylon has tore down the walls. That's why Nehemiah came back and built the walls, because Babylon tore them down. They go in and they destroy the temple. That's why in Ezra, Zerubbabel and Jeshua go back and they lay the foundation of the temple and build it up. Because the Babylonians had destroyed it. Lamentations is written about Jerusalem. 
and what happened there with Jeremiah lamenting over that destruction. And it's recorded here in chapter 2, verse 20. I'll read it. See, O Lord, and consider, to whom have you done this? Shall the women eat their offspring, the children they've cuddled? Should the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Chapter 4, verse 10. I think that's going to be the last one about eating people, okay? The hands, you might recognize this, the hands of the compassionate women have cooked their own children. They became food for them in the destruction of the daughter of my people. So, I hope that this brings some realization to the heaviness of what Israel was signed up for. But not only that, I hope it brings some reality to what was required of them. And you see, these things did not happen in history Because, boy, it was just bad luck. Babylon was just a really tough people. And those Israelites were just really wicked to do that. No. It happened because God raised them up. The Babylonians. To bring judgment upon His people. Because they did not obey His word. And these things happened by the people of of Israel. Not because they were really bad people and got really desperate. Yeah, that happened. But God said, this is exactly what's going to happen. And it occurred. I want to remind you real quick tonight. If there's anybody here who has not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you think you're going to skirt by and that God's not really going to do what He says, please, let the testimony of Scripture tonight put the fear of God in you that God will do exactly what He said He's going to do on the day of judgment if you've not obeyed the gospel of Christ. And let this, I pray tonight, be a warning and a reminder to you and a call to repent of your sins and believe in the gospel of Christ that He died for sinners like us, that He was buried in a borrowed tomb, but yet He rose victorious on the third day and He saves those who believe in Him. And that really brings us to the conclusion of the covenant. The conclusion of the covenant, I would give to you first of all, in chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, is life in the land. Now for them, that was the big deal. And it was a big deal when the people of Israel returned to the land in what year was it, 1948? And they still dwell there today. And that's a whole other talk on the significance of the land and how God views that land. He says his his eye will always be upon it. And actually the book of Ezekiel chapter 5, I think verse 5, tells us that Israel is in the middle, in the center of the nations and the countries are all around them. If you lay a a map out flat, you've got Israel right in the middle of the world with the nations all around it. And God has his eye on that place. Apparently, the Bible tells us that he does in Deuteronomy. So anyways, 
for the people to be in the land, it was a huge thing. In chapter 30, I'm just going to reference this quickly. Um, you know, if you look there in verse... I'm going to try to summarize this. Let's look at Deuteronomy 30, um, verse 1. I'm looking for the word land because it's scattered throughout chapter 30. And the deal is with this, that God promises throughout this chapter, if you obey, you'll have life in the land. Let's just jump over to verse 19. Verse 19 and 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land. See the connection there? And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. Let's jump over to chapter 32. Verse uh, 47. Y'all still with me? Deuteronomy 32, verse 47. For it is not a futile thing for you, because it is your life. And by this word you shall prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. So what God has commanded them, he says, here is their life. So the the covenant was huge to Israel. It had both positive and negative consequences. If they obeyed, they would be in the land, they would be blessed. If they did not, they would be cursed and all those things would come upon them. Now, um, Hosea chapter 3, we're not going to go there right now. Hosea chapter 3 tells us their current status. We might look at that later. But if you would, turn to Romans now. Life in the Lord Jesus. Did any of this ultimately, was any of it God's really his ultimate plan to save people? No, it wasn't. The, whole, the, wall, the law is spiritual, it's holy, it's good. But there's a problem with the law. The problem with the law is that it's made weak through the flesh. You see, the law requires that sinners obey it. And our sin problem gets in the way. Romans 7 lays this out. Our sin problem gets in the way. So we needed someone to do something for us. That's where the the gospel comes in. You see, Jesus came and fulfilled everything that Israel failed to do. He was the perfect son of God. He was the suffering servant. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Have you ever thought about why did Jesus quote from Deuteronomy when Satan came and tempted him in the wilderness? Why did he quote from Deuteronomy of all books in the Bible? 
in that he's drawing a contrast between a people who were told what to do and did not do it to himself who was tempted and obeyed. Though there was no one around to see, though he could have had every reason to succumb to the temptations of the devil, yet Christ did not in his impeccability. And he shows through that that he is the Savior and that he can save. Why did we need him? Because of the weakness of our flesh. We could not obey the law to save ourselves. We could not meet God's righteous standard in ourselves. So Christ, the Son of God, God came down to us in the flesh and died for sinners like us so that now through faith in Him we can have eternal life. We can be saved from our sins, from the penalty of the law, from the curses of the law. He became a curse for us because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians chapter 3. Romans 10. You see that in verse 4. How lovely is this verse. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who what? Believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Now guess where these next verses come from? Does anybody see a cross reference? Where does it come from? Where does the quotation come from? Deuteronomy chapter 30. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why the mouth and the heart? How did it get there? It was preached there. Moses spoke it to them and put it there. And when the word of God is preached, it's put in the heart and it's put in the mouth. So that the person who hears it is to believe it and they are to confess it. That Jesus Christ is indeed Lord. And that he rose again from the dead. Verse 11. For the scripture says. Whoever believes will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? And may God be true and every man a liar. Do you believe the gospel tonight?
Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. We could not, we simply could not attain to the righteousness of God. But in the gospel, Lord, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Father, we are, we still sin, we sin, we sin. But, oh God, I thank you that we can know that our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Please, Lord, encourage your saints tonight through this beautiful gospel. And Lord, I pray. I pray that those who have not believed will believe to the saving of their souls. In Jesus' name, amen.